I said, you better go I don't I don't want to catch anyone in or out of a camp. Oh god. Um, you know, because I was talking about it and me rewatching it the other week. Yeah. Uh, Lucy binged the entirety of the It miniseries the other day. Well there's only two two episodes of it. Yeah, but it feels like a million years long. It is a million years long. But there's still only two episodes. She couldn't of help it. herself. And do you know what she said at the end of it? What? I actually really like that. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's way better than I thought it was. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying I think it's bad. So we're filing for divorce. Um, we're not. I like it, but not, it's bad. We're not. If anything, it's made us stronger because now I want to get the help she needs. Oh! I like it too. But do you know what else I like? Uh, no. I have no idea what you like because you're such a, a quiet and reserved person who always keeps their opinions to themselves. I'll give you a clue. It's in the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, in case you didn't get that I was being somewhat sarcastic um, it's our brand the Big Dumb Cast you're listening to the Big Dumb Cast sarcasm is our brand nerdy news geeky gossip stuff to occupy your time on the long inevitable road to your demise sarcasm. my name is uh, Chris uh, go eat your lovely beans on toast Johnson mm, sarcasm is my name and you shall hear it ringing in your ears for a thousand centuries it's Matt, actually. Matt's Matt in Spanish. Yes. Um, uh, what we're doing right now, as you probably noticed from the thumbnail, you're thinking, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You guys are two lifelong Doctor Who fans, but you only ever reluctantly talk about Doctor Who. Only reluctantly. Well. Get ready for lots of reluctance. As you're listening to this, I'm not here anymore. I've, I've passed on. This episode has actually killed him. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not here next week either. So, this is a two-part extravaganza, but we can't just leave y'all with some gubbins. Um, well, we can. We do we're, doing, we're doing that for three years. Yeah. Come on. But we decided to leave y'all with gubbins that you picked. Yeah. And we put a poll up on Twitter saying, right, which of these two oft-teased um, subjects do you want us to cover in this two-part, read them, two-part special? Uh, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer solely lost out in the end, uh, so to live to fight for another day, um, to the Russell T. Davies era Doctor Who. Now, the reason this is a topic that we wanted to cover at some point is because we moan a lot about Doctor Who. We've praised a lot of the modern stuff too, but we, we our, most of our Doctor Who-centric episodes before have been big moan fests. Well, yeah, because it may have been going on during the Peter Capaldi era, which... In our opinion, was something of a low point for the quality of the show. Yeah, which was uh, uh, bulbous and sweating and throbbing peat meat. Throbbing peat meat. It was the Peter Recapaldi uh, two-parter. And, you know, we've talked classic Doctor Who, we've talked modern Doctor Who, we've natted on about it, but let's spread some love. Let's spread it all over, baby. Like margarine. Now... No, I prefer butter. Oh. I'll, I'll... I'll... I like the dairy. Oh, I was waiting for you to say something filthier. Oh dear, no. You like the white, creamy stuff? Ah, butter should not be white and creamy. If it no, is, then you've true. not. It's not. It's not. It's not ready. Saltier. You need to shake it more. It needs to be saltier. Shake what more? <laughs> so enough of this filth. Churn it. Churn it harder. We're gonna dive in. We're gonna do this similar to what we did with the Recapaldi, which is we're gonna go episode by episode and just chat a little bit about each one. What we thought. We are starting with two thousand and five's series one of Modern Doctor Who. Yeah, the Chris return. And Billy Piper. And I'm going to end with the 2010 New Year's Day episode, The End of Time Part 2. That is where we're beginning. That is where we're ending. 
Uh, and this week, we're going to be talking about series one and two. Yes. Matthew Bartholomew Erogenous Zones Watson. <laughs> That's what they call me. <laughs> we talked about this briefly on 9 is 10. Yeah, uh, we did. Boomtown episode. Go listen to it. It's at the bottom of this feed. If you're mm-hmm. on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, keep scrolling. scrolling Boomting scrolling, episode. Scrolling. The Boomting episode. Keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. What? We, talk, we talked a little bit about where you were in 2005 when the show came back and, and stuff. But just uh, briefly, what, what what was the haps? You were a lifelong Doctor Who fan. You I was a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I, was, I grew VHSs. up on VHSs and Doctor Who magazine. The Odd Virgin, New Adventure, because we couldn't afford books. We were so poor. We could afford books, we just didn't buy them. Um, <laughs> it was a joke. Uh, some of the BBC book stuff. Obviously, the Egg Doctor TV movie came. I remember that coming out and watching that when it went out and getting the VHS and all that. All that good stuff. And um, I think Big Finish had been doing it for a couple of years by that point. They'd, uh, they'd yes, the they'd been so we dabbled in the Big Finish stuff. But again, we were in really in a position to buy a new fucking audio drama every two weeks or whatever. And this was before the box sets. So yeah. Like £40 pounds for three CDs yeah. um, every week. So yeah, when it came back, I was excited. I'd just graduated high school. I'd started college. I was, uh, you know, enjoying life more or less. And the TV show that I grew up loving was coming back. And then Christopher Eccleston was playing it. Salford Zone, Christopher Eccleston. And Billy Piper was going to be the companion, and Billy Piper seemed okay at that point. Like one of those uh, pop stars turned actors that you're like, oh, actually, she might, she's actually pretty good. So you know that was cool. And then it came back, and it was brilliant. And that's it. That's the episode for this week. That's uh, it, guys. We'll so... see you next week for uh, season three, four, and the specials. Bye, everybody. Bye. Wheat. Um, nil. No. So, you were happy to see it return. Oh, I, yeah, I was over the moon. I was aware of it because my first memory was the TV movie, seeing the TV movie go out, and my dad being really excited about this thing on the telly. Yeah. And then I went to, like, the, was it the, the toy museum? Um, oh, the, the Clangothan one, the yeah. Dapple Factory with the with the exhibition attached. So, I went to that, and then UK Gold and BBC Two in the late 90s started into repeat seasons. Of yeah, I always wanted to watch that stuff, but I didn't have UK Gold, so... Yeah, we, was... had, we had it at my dad's, and, and so it was like uh, every second weekend I'd be like, oh, Doctor Who might be on. So I'd catch bits of stories. Um, so John, a... John Percy became my Doctor through that, because I was just like, this is great, he's great, these stories are brilliant, yeah. I'm loving it. Um, and then, didn't help my fear of mannequins at all. Nope. And then, uh, yeah, in the early 2000s, one of the first, BBC television boys and girls. Uh, released a wave of DVDs in 1999, I think it was. It was like the first wave of BBC-specific DVDs. Yeah, and they were all silver cases. All silver cases, and, and it was like... Doctors was one of them, It yeah. was Blackadder the Third. Yeah. It's a series three of Blackadder. Uh, Blackadder's Christmas Carol, the special. Um, Pride and Prejudice? Pride and Prejudice. One of the Only Fools and Horses specials from the 90s. Um, Jesus. Faulty Towers Series 1, I think? And, Sounds right. And The Five Doctors. The, those were like, here's BBC releasing DVDs. Here are seven titles not, for you to enjoy. Boys not and The girls. Five Faces of Doctor Who. No. But The Five Doctors. <laughs> Imagine if they did a box set, the five, face, the, the, the five Faces of Doctor Who stories that they did the rerun season of. They could do, but like they're going to have to wait until the, series, the Blu-ray season collections have been and gone so they can go... Well, if you don't spend a full box set, you can buy a compilation. Oh, you just have the first five in one lovely box set. Put it in your eye. Oh.
And uh, yeah, so they that got a lot of mileage. I basically destroyed that DVD through replay, constant replay. So I was like, oh my god, it's that thing that we watched, and it's that dude with the the, the white silver mane and the strange old young face. <laughs> um, oh, and, uh, Uncle Terence. Oh, Uncle Terry. Oh, um, Misty. And it was I, I miss the Uncle Terence. Um, oh. Wibbly wobbly. Um, just after he passed, we were watching the special features on the Time Warrior, and it's just, oh. it's just, it's just him and Barry Letts on location chatting about it. Both like, now oh, gone. Yeah. Sadly. Barry, I kind of looked like the Master Letts. <laughs> he did though, didn't he? Like yeah. He got a, I'll, I've got a, I've got a cop to that. Yeah, he does. A but bit. We, we, we were fans, so hearing it was coming back was pretty exciting, and uh, here it was coming back from the guy who brought us. Um, Folk and uh, Bomb Rose and the Second Coming. Yeah, I I had recently seen the Second Coming. Yeah, because it was a, what a couple of years before Doctor Who. Two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. It, it was the project that he and and Chris Eccleston, Rusty Davis and Chris Eccleston worked on together. Yeah. That then when Chris sort of put his oar in um, for the Doctor. Yeah. So like I'd be interested. Russell was like, right, I'm definitely writing it for you. I <laughs> it's like, it's I happening. I saw the Second Coming. I was like, that was fucking good. And then when I heard it was. Rusty and uh, Eccleston, I was like, yeah, all right, cool, <laughs> cool. The last thing of Russell's I watched before the new series kicked off, though, was Casanova on BBC. Yeah, Three. that was literally just before. It was just before. It was a TV miniseries. Yeah. Was, uh, three feature-length episodes, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds right. And it's amazing. It, it is It is the stories of Casanova, you know, the legendary Lothario and lover and, and uh, adventurer and entrepreneur and all this. Does um, not unfortunately feature Catanunda, the world's second greatest lover. Oh god, <laughs> and that's a Terry Pratchett gag. So you can't Pratchett blame me gag. for that. It's a good gag. Um, I just wasn't expecting. <laughs> so um, Catanunda was great and stars some bloke called David Tennant. We'll get back to him and uh, Peter O'Toole as the older Casanova telling the story. Oh yeah, okay. and it's really bloody good. And so when I heard he was doing Doctor Who, that was the most recent thing I'd absorbed when I really took that on board and was like, oh yeah. Okay, I'm all for it. This will be fun. Rose, March 2005. Where were you? Uh, at home watching it, probably. I was in a caravan. It's not like, it's not like the death of Kennedy where you remember where you were when you heard it. I do. I don't. I do because th- there was something almost as memorable as the assassination of Kennedy. There was the assassination of uh, consistent broadcast quality. Oh, yeah, that as, was terrible, wasn't it? the show that Graham Norton was hosting either side of it live, yeah. the audio bled in during the mannequins in the basement. Because this was, this was at a point where I still had a VHS uh, recorder, so I actually recorded the entire series on VHS so I could rewatch it before it came out on, v- on DVD. Beautiful. And, yeah, um, so I did have the VHS. I didn't have a VHS recording with the... The sound lead in the first ten minutes or so with yeah. uh, from the Graham Norton uh, it was, was it Strictly? It wasn't was Strictly. No, it was something like that. It was it was, it was like Fame Academy or some sort yeah. of show like that. But something that Graham Norton was presenting that was on just before it live, and then the audio leaked in to the first oh, ten minutes so of the weird. broadcast. It was very very odd. There's one specific moment, and then there's sort of little noises that follow later on. The thing is, is where it fits. It fits at the beginning where Rose sort of in the the service tunnels underneath the department store. And it sort of fits. Well, uh, in the Rose novelization, Russell T. Davies changes it so there's some interference from a radio nearby. He oh, that's added good. It in, that's good. Um, which is pretty cool. And and uh, something like that. And then there's... Uh, when I did Time Team for Doctor Magazine, um, we're covering the modern era, and we'd get together every now and again to watch a chunk of episodes, and the rest of the time we do it independently. 
but we got together to watch End of the World. I, I wrote End of the World and The Unquiet Dead, and we did it at Tom Spilsbury's flat, and he brought out the DVDs, but for Rose, he brought out a VHS. Oh. And we watched a taped copy of it, complete with the Graham Norton thing. <laughs> this, is, this, is like, this is like seven years later. And this is amazing. It should be a special feature on the Blu-ray, it really. It really should be. Um, I've, not, I've not dived into the Steelbook yet. I should probably have a little, Optional. little gander through. Optional audio alternate. <laughs> so Rose. Mark has to do it. <laughs> Bloody wood. Let's talk Rose. Rose is great. Rose is great. I love it. I great love new companion. Great way to it. It's it sort of set the the sort of new tone of introducing the Doctor through the companion's point of view, and making the companion the main character. Yeah, and the audience surrogate as, but the audience surrogate in a way where you see this crazy world through their eyes rather mm-hmm. than them just being the person who goes. But what's this, Doctor? But Doctor, what is this? Because as much as I love Joe Grant, that is kind of all she does. Until a later series where they sort of well. like, yeah, she's gonna do her own thing. Um, but I know what you mean. Like that—that that is that is the role of the companion um, traditionally. Yeah. Is, is to be the audience surrogate in inquisitiveness alone. Um, and it was such a, a rare thing, really, for them to be given full-on backstories in the classic run. Like some of them get to develop stories as time goes by. Eight, well, they did, we, they did it with Ace, yeah. most notably, because if you go back and watch that last season mm. of Classic Who. It feels like very much a early prototype of what the new series would come back as. I mean, Fenric, Ghostlight, and Survival, yeah. especially, it's just like. Well, because oh, it's, wow. it's at a time when TV was starting to change. Yeah. Even serialised TV was, was less episodic and more of an ongoing narrative. Plus, Doctor Who's um, main competition was, uh, in terms of UK broadcast, was Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Which, you know, doesn't necessarily have a big overarching narrative season per season, but it has consistent character development mm. over seasons that that actually changes as opposed to it sort of resetting more or less to a status quo in between stories which is kind of where Doctor Who had been up to that point yeah. for the most part it, 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 it was a put the toys back in the box at the end of each story kind of show yeah kind of um, with only minimal development between cast changing really um, so it, it's it was nice for this to be like yeah no we're going to start with not only is the companion going to be our our window into the story, but you're going to learn everything about their life at this current moment before we even start the sci-fi story. Before that even begins, you're going yeah. to know Rose inside and out, and you're going to get a sense of who she is. And it's all told through montage as well. It's not like fully scripted scenes. It's this really well cut, like, you know, to that brilliant Murray Gold music that occupied that era. Yeah. You just kick off with that do 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 I hear that now and I just get really excited because I'm like, oh, we're watching series one. Uh, it's because so you're, a, it's you're a, a strange person. True. What? It's not like I did a 27 episode long podcast on no. series one of Doctor Who. No, 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 no. Which if you scroll down this feed, you'll find it at the bottom. Oh, God. <laughs> not that weird. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So uh, Rose is great. The Doctor is the most stripped down version of the character Absolutely. visually we've ever had. You don't try and you don't do what they did in the TV movie where they do the oh it's they have the opening narration and a lot of backstory dumps on you. It's you you get it through this not even through this episode through the series. Yeah. It's like we learn more. And it and more. eases you into it. End of the world gives us the yeah. most kind of oh 
oh, that's where he is Yeah, now. they sort of take a little bit of time and, to sort of establish then, the new status yeah, quo for this character. Little bits dribble through after that. Um, the notion that worlds have been lost or destroyed in some kind of conflict and you begin to realise, oh, he feels responsible. Oh, is he? Oh! Yeah. And then you get to Dalek at the mid-season, which set a trend for this era of Who as well, at the, the middle series story where a, se- a season of television normally would dip in viewership. They would try and make it through either a character inclusion, a villain return, or just the title of the episode. Something yeah. that would make everyone go, wait, what? And tune in. Um, to varying degrees of success, but it works. Especially for Dalek, which is still, I think, Probably the, probably the best Dalek story, um, in terms of at least encapsulating what makes them effective and 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 where you can go with them. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe second um, best because I guess I guess you're dealing with a Dalek that's against type in it. Yeah, well, um, not really <clears throat> against type in the sense that it's um, it begins to change and develop as the story goes on. Wait, uh, only we'll get to Dalek. Not yeah, we'll get, we'll to, get to Dalek, Dalek but yeah. Um, but yeah, Rose is a really strong start. It it does a simple sci-fi thing, uses a classic villain. Yeah, and great uses, intro. The, uses them the exact same way that we used the first time they were yep. used, which is dressing. It's a background to everything that's going on. And it just you know doesn't spend too much time expositing. So you know, I think I think that was the strength of the show when it came back. It just it it presented a very grounded opening story before taking you to the next uh, very sci-fi heavy story, end of the world. Mm-hmm. Straight up, far future, anus. Are we going to get you doing Murray Gold's greatest hits this whole two episodes? Only if I immediately hear the episode in my head. God. End of the world is fantastic. I apologise um, in advance, ladies it, and gentlemen. It's, it's the it's the, uh, the, the the aristocratic uh, get-together storyline of them all yeah. watching something because they're rich and they have the position to do it, but it's, they're watching the Earth die in the year 5 billion. Yeah, it's a murder mystery at uh, let's all go and watch the world Earl, Earl? go and watch the world burn party. And sort of Rose trying to get her head around being able to time travel. Again, it slowly drip feeds you the, the, the Doctor's backstory and and uh, the new sort of, his new status quo and his, his increased pathos. Yeah. Um, it really, um, and just sort of, it shows you that they're not afraid to go a bit weird with some of the creature designs. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And get all sci-fi on it, which is- From in, the Forest of Cheem. Because trees, trees. <laughs> actual like, trees. Yeah. Um, Jabe is a great character. All, well. all before Groot was a household name. <laughs> um, Mox of Balhoon. Um, the face of Bo. Yeah, the adherence of the repeated meme. <laughs> that's all, that's all, all it is. Repeated meme. It's an idea. Yeah. Um, Cassandra, of course. Cassandra O'Brien uh, yeah. got Delta Seventeen. Wonderful. And again, getting like how like well-known British guest stars right off the bat with. Zoe Wanamaker. Zoe Wanamaker, which would which would be continued uh, throughout the series, um, and she will come back as well, of course. She for, bloody for well features. will. She's not the only recurring cast member as well. Like, oh, we only see her briefly in this one, but Camille Kajuri's Jackie is such a great. Yes, of course, to the because show. that's another thing that, that this series does differently that set that starts off in Rose is her family mm. and her having a supporting cast as opposed to just being. Um. A lot of the, the ta- Doctor's companion. The, the only it, time that really happened prior was Ace. They started to tease it with, yeah, develop it a bit. But um, Joe, 
I guess, really, because Joe was so grounded within the unit that they kind of made... Well, it was part unit... of that era, but, like, she was the only one who was like, oh, she has a home yeah. she goes home to, and... The, the, sort of, the unit era was sort of its own sort of mini-ensemble show. Yeah. Because it would keep returning to this familiar supporting cast. But, essentially, they're all expansions of the companion concept. Yeah. Like, um... I mean, some, some they give you backstory enough to make them, like, want to go with the Doctor, like... Leela, it's sort of obvious why she goes with him, and and, yeah. and uh, Nissa, like it's kind of obvious why she goes with him, and things like that. But it's but it's not obvious why she leaves. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas with Rose, it's like you, they're set, they're setting tethers. There's an anchor. Yeah, and she wants more than this. But like, she doesn't classic want... Disney princess. Yeah, but you know she she doesn't want to leave behind. No, she's, she's not got. looking to to. To leave her old life. She's like, she just... doesn't blame Mickey for the fact she's bored either. Like No. Mickey the stupid. She doesn't blame him. And again, Noel Clark, excellent turn as a, as a, regu- as a recurring a supporting performer. In yeah, it. absolutely. Like, she doesn't, you know, blame him. She still, like, has affections for him and, and cares about him and visits him. Yeah. And, and it's... Yeah. You know, but but there's also no sense of like, oh no, you're definitely going to return me home every day, Doctor, which is a weird problem with the character later on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah... Uh, End of the World's wonderful, murder mystery's great, the spiders are creepy, and also Russell T. Davies has a great touch for introducing little characters who we only meet for a scene or two, but you really like them. Yeah. He's... Which then ups the stakes when something horrible happens to them. Yeah. Like in this one, the uh, the plumber. Oh, yeah. She's just working on the thing and, it's and just she gets that, killed. It's, and that's almost the thing that goes back to classic Doctor Who, is you take that time to establish a supporting character and then kill them off horribly. Yeah, Jabe. Jabe. Jay, but she's another one where it's yeah. like you really bloody like oh yeah spoiler alert by the way for a 14 year old <laughs> season of Doctor Who um, End of the World leads nicely to another sort of tradition of this era yeah which is episode 2 and 3 interchangeable one goes to the far future and one goes to the, the recent past and if they go to the recent and if they go to the relatively recent past they'll meet a historical figure yeah uh, in this case Mark Gates is the unquiet dead where they go to Cardiff and encounter ghosts Ghosts uh, in Christmas. Psychic Undertakers at Christmas with Charles Dickens. Of course. Because of course. Played wonderfully by Simon Callow. Oh my god. This um, is, again, another tradition they sort of do, um, funnily enough, a lot of them in the Mark episodes where they get actors who portrayed these historical figures before. Simon Callow's got like a one-man show about Charles Dickens. Well, we... Uh, we um, Ian McNeese later on like, has done stuff as Churchill yes. already before he was cast as Churchill in, in Big And continued Alex. doing it for Big Finish because yeah. <laughs> of course he did. Um, the jowliest man in television. Um, but he, uh, no, we we. Mr. Ventura. Sorry, I found myself. Oh, they're both in that. Yes, I just they're both in my nature calls. Yeah. Uh, but we, I, I came across, um, <laughs> or my dad came across a, a Roald Dahl audiobook collection. Yeah, charity shop that we we took and and we played some in the car when we had. The little one recently. Yeah. And it's Simon Callow reads the twits in it. Oh, that's good casting. And it's so good. That's really good casting. It's so good. God damn. That's actually a great one. Um, <laughs> Callow is ace. And the ghost tries to get pity the girl. Um, yeah. Using like the iconography of, of stuff we associate with that era, ghost stories to create an alien yeah. presence. Um, and then, again, expanding on the time war idea. And Mr. Sneed. And lovely Eve Miles playing Gwyneth. Yeah, who would who, and she would later return to to Torchwood as uh, Gwen, um, and then Doctor Who would subtly uh, 
not so subtly confirmed that yeah the two characters are related there you go people who are confused <laughs> but really it's just because they the, like the despite actors. the fact that throughout the entire classic yeah. run and now a lot of the more recent modern run there have been actors playing several yeah, parts with no explanation actors playing are all the Michael Sheard characters in the classic one related <laughs> no it, to the point where it felt almost weird when Moffat tried to explain why the 12th Doctor had yeah. cancer his face. It was like, no, do you know what? We don't care. We don't, it doesn't matter. Don't bother. Like, he never explained why he, he had bloody um, Commander, Commander Maxwell's, Maxwell's face. face when he turned it to Colin Baker. So yeah. Don't worry about it. Just, it's just not, it's not important, is it? Oh, no. We don't Mama need to got know. the face of that lady from Attack the Block. <laughs> why? Oh, no. Why is everybody Philip Maddock? Why are all the guest stars Philip Maddock? Julian Glover? Uh, again? Again? Uh, <laughs> More Nicholas actually, Courtney? Actually, again. King Richard the Lionheart was one of Scaroth last of the Jaggeroth's time splinters. Is that a theory? No. Prob- it's probably. A demon, a it's, it's definitely a theory. Oh, there's, God. De- there's definitely someone out there in a basement going, mm, I can connect all the guest stars into one unified theory of guest actors. Hey, let us not headcanon shame, alright? No, I, d- I don't mean to mock people who, you know, take uh, things too seriously. And let's not... Stop. Um, let's Please not, stop. Let's not fart shame either, because next up is the first two-parter of the modern era. The first excuse to have a flat-out cliffhanger. Yeah. Like the old days... I love Aliens of the London. First, the first three. sort of showcase for the new series effects budget, which doesn't hold up at all, but oh, there's no. charm in those designs. Well, it's mostly because they, they saved the money for um, toward the end of the series. Yeah. yeah, They dropped an episode in budget and created Boomtown out of it, which means yeah. that all three of the Sladeen episodes are kind of part of this compromise. But I love them. Because, yeah, big fat baby green aliens fitting into uh, disguises that fart because the compression of the gases like plays havoc with the insides yeah but also those disguises are the skin suits of the human victim they've yeah. killed and eaten the insides of not just that they've taken the time to craft a space zip on the head yeah like i know that's a daft concept yeah. and a fun visual but also that's sadistic as hell well it's it's weird going back to the russell <laughs> the, the rusty they crafted a skin suit with a zip <laughs> you gotta get in and out of it how do you got the bathroom? Um, <laughs> what you come? I'm shaking my booty. Oh, and that Badland is so good. She is having a whale of a She's time. So good. Um, but you, also it's... the first and only use, as far as I'm aware, to this day of the word bollocks in Doctor Who. It's the la- it's the nearly heard last word of the Sladeen before the, uh, oh, the missile hits down. Oh yeah, the street. okay, okay. Oh bollocks. <laughs> well, that's in that's in the second part. That's in World War Three. Oh yeah, uh, but we're talking about both these episodes at the same time because, because it's beautiful. Um, the, cl- the cliffhanger is everyone getting electrocuted, Jackie about to be killed by a Slovene, and um, Harriet Jones witnessing uh, the murder of uh, uh, somebody in the cabinet room. Somebody's murder. Somebody, somebody gets murdered. Harriet Jones and me for Flydale North. <laughs> yes, we know you are. Yes, we know. Um, so it's... If you go back to the Russell T. Davis era, who now? What is strange about it compared to modern Who, or at least the the later Mo- the Capaldi Moffat era, is how much lighter it is in tone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. It's uh, definitely more of a show for the family that was on at seven o'clock on Saturdays. Yes, yeah. Which it absolutely it got out of, and I think that was part of the why there's been a problem with the show finding a sort of a home on TV for the last few years is that it's not got it's gotten away from that 
very family simple vibe. identity. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of tried to become more. I mean, there was there was such an obvious thing of it trying to be a bit more games of Game of Thronesian in tone in places. Yeah, right down to them casting Game of Thrones actors and making a deal out of it. Yeah almost as though to be like see yeah we're like this it's like yeah but you're about the daft clown alien in the blue box going to fight weird monsters and like, i think i think and, got... and, and fan fanboy slash fangirl out over historical yeah. figures like that's but i think they've that's got... what the show should be and i think they've gotten back to that a bit yeah with the latest with the latest series oh 30 it's Jones a bit is such more an innocent like uh, yeah uh, it's um... got more of that sense of fun but it's a it's still a bit more sentimental yeah Oh yeah, um, and it's got a bit more of an emotional punch. And, Not and, to say that and, these and episodes the alien, don't, but and some of the aliens are getting more. back to that sort of dafter threats as well. Like the Slovene, yeah. as grim as they are when you think about them, like they are still these big baby things that, yeah, the practical effect looks glorious, the CGI running one not so much. Um, not bad, just obviously not the same as the suit. But they did it. Yeah, and then in Sarah Jane Adventures when they bring they them back. It. Because they were like, these aliens are great, but they're not going to play off as well because we've got sort of people moaning about them in the main show. So we're going to put them in Sarah Jane and use them to their full potential. Guess what? They're amazing in Sarah Jane, and at no point do they use CGI to make them run. They just have the suits run and shoot them better. And they, as a result, they look creepier because they're just Good. sort of like galloping up hallways. It's like, oh, this is really freaky. Like low angle shots and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they also redesign them a bit and make them like darker green and they look really freaky. But uh, I'm going to get the blatherine. One of them, voiced by Simon Callow. It all comes back. It all comes back together. It's almost but, like Rusty likes working with the same people. Yeah, well, in, a, in a way. That's why um, a lot of his projects are so the same, consistent. using the same names. There's, yeah. a, there's a character in, I think it's uh, Sound of Drums called Vivian Rook, and that is the name of Emma Thompson's uh, political character in years and years. Uh, okay. Uh, he uses Smith and Jones as surnames throughout his work. Constantly. Mickey Smith, Martha Jones. Oh, why wouldn't you? Uh, no, but like as a point, like to the point where when he hit, the only time he wrote for the Eleventh Doctor is Sarah Jane Adventures: Death of the Doctor, and Sarah Jane Smith meets the, uh, you know, the the the, the, the beloved companion Joe Grant, who of course got married to Professor Jones and is now Joe Jones. Sarah Jane Smith and Joe Jones. Yeah. Like even in that stuff, it's like he couldn't resist. He's like, oh yeah, she married, didn't she? We're gonna call her Jones. Um, he's great. Uh, family's work, in case you can't tell. But I love the Slovene and and that. That tradition's nice when they do make a threat that's sort of cuddly and weird, like the Pating in the recent. Oh, stuff. the Pating was so cute. It's adorable, but also terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> yeah. when you think about what it's going to do to the ship you're in. It's like, oh, this is horrible. Um, but I love the Slovene. I love the introduction of Harriet Jones. Penelope Walton is amazing. Yeah. Um, the the reestablishing of of Mickey and Jackie, the classic era thing of the TARDIS not quite always being spot on. But also that that like, oh, I thought it was twelve hours actually. Yeah, twelve months, and also the, the um the the consequences of that. Yeah, of what what that actually means for the family that Rosalie's behind. And again, it's the the unit thing of there are people now on Earth who are aware that he's out there. Yeah, and and have stakes in him and and his friend returning because you know she's Jackie's daughter. Where she she's um, Mickey's you know ex and one of his best friends, and it's like this is. Oh god, there's stakes now from not coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ending of this two part is wonderful, she, like horrible and heartbreaking, brilliantly done. Where she's like, "I'll be back in," and like, "I'll be back before you know it." Like, like three seconds for you, honestly. And the TARDIS disappears, and Jackie waits. She waits. She waits. They don't come back. Yeah. And the credits roll, and you're like, "Oh god, this is great." Leading us into episode six, the start of the mid series. Um, hey everybody, come back and watch this tradition. 
Dalek. This is the moment everyone was waiting for, really, wasn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Well, the moment they said the show's coming back, it was like, Rose of the Dalek's going to be in it. And behind yeah. the scenes, they weren't sure because the Terry Nation estate had circumstances and demands and parameters that they wanted being stuck to. Oh, Terry Nation! With them. A lot of them were financial. <laughs> with the. With the. Uh, transmission of re- resolution. Do we think that that is actually a thing then? The I th- whole the I th- whole nation th- contract. I think it exists, but not as black and white as as we know it to be. I yeah. think I think there has to be a level of usage. Look at look at how rights work out in a lot of the studio formats. Yeah, having like to, having to use it x amount of times in a certain period before it reverts. Mm. And... Yeah, so I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there was something to do with it because the year that they weren't going to have a story series six, they still cameo. Yes. Um, the specials year where they aren't the focus of an episode, one of them cameos in the waters of Mars. Yeah. Um, series I can't remember now. Is it series ten? Didn't have a Dalek story, but they appear fighting the uh, the. Is it... oh, who's it they're fighting? Is it the? It's not the Dravin, is it? The Mavellans. The Mavellans at the start of. Um... What do you call it? The start of uh, the series ten, the first in pilot. So they're in a scene. The year before, when there was no full series, they showed a preview of that scene during a big sporting event. Yeah, it's like yeah. They, you know, so the Daleks were on screen when there was a lot of viewers, and so you know, which would mean that anyone who owns them and wants to make money from them are like, well, oh yeah, we're that was pleased the... because you put them on during the World Cup. That was the famous was. debut of Asbil. Was the World Cup or was it Wimbledon? It was World Cup. Wimbledon was Jody's review. Yeah, yeah. After. Yeah, the Asbill. Oh, God. The space incident. Permackie ended up actually being really good. Yeah, she was great. Um, so that'll teach us for mocking bad captions. <laughs> well, we still mock bad captions. Yeah. People have to proof watch things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you listen back to or rewatch everything you've worked on to make sure it works. Wait, are you saying that there are some... Not all, <laughs> but there are some people... Within the uh, marketing department for the BBC and its various dramas that aren't on the ball 100%. So, Dalek. Uh, <laughs> Dalek's really bloody good. And we're fans of its work. Rob Sherman's only script to this day for the modern series. And it was also it was sort of an adaptation of his big finished story, Jubilee, wasn't Jubilee, it? Jubilee, yeah. And it, which is referenced briefly in the episode as a pizza box with Jubilee <laughs> and the name of the brand on it in the episode. So it's like, oh, there we go. Um, but it's the first time with the Doctor is no longer kind of this, you know, he, he's not the stable guy who's, who's leading the story and making sure everything works out alright. He goes off the rails. And it takes Rose's perspective to actually kind of yeah. bring him back down to earth. This is the this is the start of him becoming the Doctor again. Yeah. Instead of this, this man who's on the run from the horrible thing he's done and, and things he's seen. Like... He's about to. He's about to do something even worse. He's about to kill this Dalek. He's facing the things that he's done, which, which is you know, yes, yeah. it's going to kill everyone on the planet and and stuff. But it's like he's no better than them if based on his entire thing to this point. If he kills it, yeah. and Rose manages to stop that from from happening and the turn happening. The Dalek gets some human DNA because Rose reactivates it by accident. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't know if they were going to have them. So a version of the script was written featuring what would eventually be reused in Series 3 as the Toclophane. Yeah. Not the exact same concept, but the idea of this like Swiss army knife sentient weapon within a casing, a creature within a casing that was, you know. But I think if that had happened, we'd all would have loved it, but gone, that should have been a Dalek. Yeah. That should have been a Dalek. What's going on? That should have been a Dalek. So I'm glad it worked out. And it's definitely one of the best Dalek stories ever done. Yes. And it's brilliant. And because also, I am Henry Van Staten, now recognise me. 
the the dialects have become such a like joke. Three, Sacramento, someone starting with an S. Yeah, yeah. yeah the da- the dialects have I mean, they were, they're in cigarette adverts yeah. and all this. Stuff. Everyone was like, "Oh, what are they gonna do when they find stairs?" Because nobody watched. Um, well, uh, the sixties or Remembrance yeah. or or ever looked at any image of them ever on a flying no. thing or hovering. No. Um, but so anyone who didn't but, know Doctor Who was like, oh, "What they gotta do when they come against up a flight of stairs? You just where, push them down." <laughs> to the point where they give Bruno Langley just that exact line of dialogue. Yeah, Sc- was it scariest thing in the universe? Defeated by a flight of stairs, and he just looks up and goes, "Elevate," yeah. and just starts to lift. You're like, "Oh, that's terrifying!" Yeah, so cool, and because it knows that it, you just know that under its case, it's like. <laughs> Dick. It's fucking with him, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming for you. It's, it's, it's a vindictive Dalek. It's a Vindalek. Yeah, it's a Vin Diesel. <laughs> this Dalek's all about family. Um, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think the redesign of them's fantastic. And it reestablishes them as a threat. Daleks are still a threat. Plus we get to see a Dalek mutant in full glory for the first time oh, ever. Really. A new lovely redesigned Dalek mutant. Because um, before this they've just been like kidneys with stringy bits or, yeah. or a claw coming out of out of the darkness or just or a little bit of a little bit of a hand coming out from under a cloak <laughs> like a rubber glove painted green or something yeah um, um, I love the f- <laughs> I got the Genesis of the Daleks toy set when it came out in like 2010 yeah and it comes with you know Fourth Doctor two Daleks Davros and a Dalek mutant oh it's, it's just basically some stringy stuff with a brown lump in the middle pardon me you put, put it around his, put it around hold- Tom's neck oh no ah, help ah, me ah, Howdy! Sullivan, there's an embassy. Uh, um, yes, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, love Dalek. It is so good. And gives us Adam, a character played by Bruno Langley. Yeah, our, sort of goes, our second new series companion. Yeah, everyone always goes, Adam, Adam's a stupid character. What was the point in Adam? The point in Adam is very evident when you watch the long game. Yes. No, he, he is stupid. Yeah. But he's not a stupid character. Yeah. He is Russell T. Davies' way of showing that not everybody is right for this. No. Which they've never really done before, have they? Like, uh, in this classic run, there's never really a story of, like, this person's going to go with him. Oh, but they no, screw up. Is never there, mind. Uh... Yeah, has they ever sort of... Has they ever sort of left um, a companion a companion left acrimoniously? No. Like, the Doctor sort of left someone behind or just kicked someone out? No. This is it. This is, like, the get out, you little shit <laughs> sort of thing. Um, in an episode that, again, without realising it, when you first watch it, is establishing stuff that will come to play later on in the series. Yeah, because people started noticing the bad wolf thing by now. Uh, not obvious. I think some people have been picking up on it, but this was like the days before Twitter and stuff, so it was only yeah. like playground and and because and this chatter. is back in the time when I was still active on Outpost Gallifrey slash Gallifrey Base, whatever it was called at that point. I think it was still Outpost Gallifrey at that point. Um, post Gallifrey. Yeah. So I remember there being a whole bad wolf thing, but I, I think it was around this point that people started picking up on it. That it was a, it was a recurring theme. But yeah. The game station. Um, no, it's not the game station. Yeah, it's Satellite Five. It's yeah. a broadcaster. Um, broadcasting news and all everything that's been being down to earth is being done from here. You can have a Kronk burger, enjoy yourself. Uh, info spikes in y'all's head. Info spikes in y'all's noggin. Um, and and the yeah. editor and the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hadrogesic Max Erodenfoe. I call Again, him Max. Russell T. Davis being Russell T. Davis. Simon Pegg guest starring. Tamsin Greer guest starring. Yes. Oh, she's um, so good, Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's a, a cracking real... story. It's really it's eerie. Really and, and it's very... Um, you know, it's it's Big Brother-y, Big Brother-esque. 
in terms of the idea of like, oh, this is how information is filtered, yeah, uh, and all this stuff, which then they take to a very literal and also another type of Big Brother thing later on. Yes, um, it's a, it's a great story, but it ultimately serves to be like, yeah, Adam's a dick and reckless and irresponsible, yeah. and he he let he let his selfishness get in the way of the fact that he really shouldn't be here. It's a privilege to do this. Yeah. Like interfering, you well, he, do. He, and, he, and it's a great cliffhanger because it's so like he's left there with the info spike in his head, and then his mum clicks her fingers when she sees him and screws him over, mm-hmm. and and never get never got followed up on in the show. But if you're curious as to what happened to Adam next, go and give the um, I think it's called Lost in Time, the the 50th anniversary. Uh, big crossover event comic. Go give that a read, folks, because that story also touches on what happened next for Adam. <laughs> um, in a way where you're like, yeah, I, yeah, I buy this. I completely buy this. This is a great idea. Um, so yeah, what is next after the long game? Next two part. I'll go straight into um, uh, Empty Child and Doctor Dancers. No. Father's Day. Father's oh, Day. Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Paul Cornell makes his debut with the modern series, giving us Pete Tyler and a story that actually, for once, touches on the ideas of. So here's what happens if you change something, not only in your personal history, but something that needed to happen. Like, this is the story that starts to make clear the new series established rules of fixed points in time. And um, what's the other? What do they call the other ones? It's like the, 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 there's, there's, bit, there's bits of time where it is malleable and things can change yeah. because the ripples don't affect anything too vastly in terms of like well, the, they do, the way the universe is. They set do keep out going to back go. to that concept of fixed points in history. Yeah, but <laughs> this is this is the first one to it's, sort of show you like yeah. what can happen if you screw with it. Uh, but it's also a case of oh, I think. it's also a case of those rules are as malleable as the person writing the story. So it's yeah, not... It all they, on who. They introduce the concept, but they're not necessarily consistent with it throughout the, se- the following series. Because this story introduces the Reavers. Uh, sorry, the Reapers. Yes. The Reapers? Reapers. Reapers. Uh, which are these horrible beasts that live outside of our dimension and can only get through from the time vortex if things are screwed up and, and time starts to get... Uh, sort of the barriers of, of the linear time as it was start to break. There's a and wound in time and they're here to clean it. That's the one. And they apparently were held back by the Time Lords in the days of yore. Yes. But not anymore. And uh, as a result, they're going to kill everybody. Yeah. And eat them to cleanse the wound. But because of the Time Lords... They're the well, Lyndolias, sort of, but better designed. Yeah. Well, they sort of imply that like they've always been allowed to do this. Yeah. But then the Time Lords have cut it off before it gets to things. It's like the Time Lords have, as we know yeah, from the classic sort of series... they they shepherded it rather yeah. than just letting it... It's like, yes, we'll let them get in there and devour certain things, but then we'll stop it and cut it off there. And we'll fix the rest. Yeah. Whereas now, without being kept in check, they're just going to keep devouring all of existence and all of reality, person by person. Because, you know, Um, if if you're given a smorgasbord and no limit, you're just going to eat it all, aren't you? Pretty much. And it's very Stephen King as well. Southern Langley is in places of holy belief and this and the other things that are older than a lot of recorded time and whatnot yeah our sanctuaries like they can't get into the church at first they just physically cannot get in because it's it's so steeped in like belief and history and all this stuff it's, it's, it's just old 
It's old as balls, and they mm. can't break through it unless they have a connection. That connection ends up being Rose touching the younger version of herself by holding the baby. Great idea. Jackie's 80s hair. Brilliant. Uh, who plays Pete Tyler? Uh, what's his name? Is it Sean something? I think so. Give me a sec. Because he's absolutely phenomenal. Da, 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 da. But he's wonderful. And the moment of realisation when he sees the car spinning around outside, like, you can tell time is trying to correct itself in some way. Because the car that knocked him over... Sean Dingwall. Uh, the car that knocked him over has repositioned itself to outside of the church and keeps swerving. The driver seems like he's going to hit something and then it disappears. And he, he puts the pieces together and realises what he has to do to basically make sure that his daughter lives and life goes on. It's like, oh my god, this is nuts. And just creepy. The first time the series feels like it's in true peril because the doctor gets devoured and is gone. Yeah. And it's up to not even Rose. Rose can't do anything. And Pete does it. Making, it him making the sacrifice play. Going into the, the thing that the doctor does in that episode, he's talking about the married couple and everything. Like, ordinary like is the most wonderful thing ever like yeah. he he's never had that he's never had what they're gonna have and he wishes he could it's a and show it's amazing and and an ordinary man saves the day it's, it saves the universe these first couple of rusty series are almost completely without cynicism and it's wonderful mm. it's wonderful beautiful. it's a beautiful thing now speaking of cynicism moffat rocks up yep for his first two-parter yep uh say what you want and think what you want about steven Moffat, but i think it's it's sort of Unanimous on our side that yeah. we're not too keen on a lot of his choices in his era as the showrunner. No, but we really like his stories. This is where he gets during his, this era. Yeah, this is where he gets his feet under the table as the scary Doctor Who writer. Yes, uh, Empty Child and the Doctor dances, World War Two, gas mask zombies, yeah. injuries as plague. Um, are you my mummy? The Blitz. Victor Meldrew turning into a gas mask zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Squareness gun. The, uh, <laughs> the weapon factories of villain guard grow bananas there now. Bananas yeah. are good. Um, and Captain Jack Harkness, a character co-created by Moffat and Russell. Um, Who, again, will pop up. Not only does he join the TARDIS crew in this story. He'll become our, our third up, regular companion of the series. But pops up again and again and again and again and even gets his own spin-off show. Because that was the thing that happened in the Rusty era was the spin-off show. Yeah, it Avengers. Which we're not really going really to touch Avengers before the here. Avengers. Yeah. We'll do that another day. Because um, uh, then yeah. I have to watch the watch one and I don't want to be asked. Yeah. Um, Captain Jack's wonderful. Yes. And he's a great addition. John Barrowman. Just being all John Barrowman charm and smile and flash. And, and the first like uh, openly non-strictly uh, heterosexual character in the show. Openly pansexual. Yes. As he put it one day, anything with a postcode. Is how he worded it in an interview. Um, <laughs> which is great. Um, he's an equal opportunity seduction artist. Yeah, but and, and they're very open with it. He's, he's one of the first very openly sexual characters in the show as mm -hmm. well. Because um, he's, he's, he's a suave con man. He travels throughout time, fleeces people, sells rotten shit, because he used to be a time agent. Again, they leave that open. They never really explain what that is. Yeah. It takes till series two of Torchwood before they even begin to expand on what that might be. Mm -hmm. um, which is fine because in Doctor Who you just buy it like oh so yeah. he's a guy who can sort of crudely travel through time for an organisation that deals in that yeah okay, you just need a cool. name yeah there's a time agent there and he was a time agent that's kind of all you need yeah that's all, all it takes and a cool accessory wristband yeah. thing 
that you can sell the kids. If it was actually pertinent to the story, then you want to go into it, but it's not really, is it? No, it's, it's just, just flavor. A thing. It's just it's, it's tasty flavor. flavor. Uh, Gas Mask Zombies are haunting. Yep. Nancy is a great character. It's very yep. Oliver vibes with that group as well. Um, the revelation of, of the kid brother actually being her son. Yeah. And the ending. It's one of the most memorable things in all of modern Who. Again. Just this once. A show, without, a show without cynicism. Problem is it becomes a trait it's later though. so it? positive. It becomes a trait later yeah. of, of that writer's era. The idea of death never being permanent. But in this story it's so effective. I don't know. It's 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 more. It's more a thing. The the whole reversal of death constantly tends to be a, a more of a thing in the Moffat era. I oh, think, but it's it's in his it's in his Russell era too. Yeah. Um. I think he tends to be better which, at making which it. Which you stick. can find all out all about in uh, an excellently written uh uh, uh five fans video called Stephen Moffat's Greatest Fear, uh, which uh, some handsome man put together. Um. What Billy? Uh, not no. John. No, no. Dan. No, no. Phoenix. No. Oh. Who? <laughs> Doctor Who. That's who. Um, love Epps Child Doctor dances, and it leads into one of my favourite episodes of the modern series ever because I admire how the hell they managed to pull it off. Boomtown, which exists. Because they had no money. But it's also great because it's this <laughs> here's this high concept show with an episode that has a minimum amount of high concept stuff in it, but it worked, it's compelling because it's actually taken the time to make you like all these characters. Even the villain, who's a character from a previous story, but because the performance is so compelling and the actress Im- actually imbues that character with some sense of, of uh, heart mm-hmm. and personality, you can get away with a scene which is just her and the Doctor sniping each other over dinner. It's brilliant. Steak and chips. Lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Annette Badland is, is a gift. Oh, she's, and she's so good in this. She is wonderful. Um, uh, some great practical effects. Sets up a thing that is used for years after in both the main show and Torchwood. The Rift in Cardiff. Yep. Which, unbeknownst to us prior to this episode, was actually set up in The Unquiet Dead. Yeah. And this is spinning out of it. Uh, which is how you do story arcs without do, making them heavy-handed. But there's you, also you tie in things in your series so people can go, oh yeah, from the other week. There's yeah. very much a sense, not so much when you first watched it, but when you go back to it, uh, that Russell was building a universe and building connections yeah. that he could then use for future stories. Absolutely. And even future spin-offs, <clears throat> which he did. Also gave birth to one of the most used gifs on British side of Twitter in forever, which is of John Barrowman going, Whatever. <laughs> um, Mickey comes back. We finally sort of get to learn a bit more about him from his point of view after yeah. having learned what he dealt with being blamed for Rose's disappearance. Poor Mickey. Um, we learn that Rose be... is a bit of a selfish get as well in this yeah. one, just a little bit. Trisha Delaney. Um, I don't even like her. Um, which is right because it's like, oh yeah, Rose is nineteen. Like she's yeah. not really grown up, grown up yet. She's still she was definitely ahead of her time, but like she's still a bit of a strappy teenager. She's still living in the clouds a little bit, um, and she's not thought really about Mickey and what she left behind and what it meant to him no. for her to vanish from his from his life. She's too busy being off off with her two space boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it, I can't remember what the random rhyme they end up doing is. It's like oh. off into time and, and space. space. It's like look at you lot. 
pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Do you know how insufferable you are? But is, um, the, is that sense that when when Mickey comes back, Mickey comes in, it is they have been on so many adventures between the Doctor Dances and Boomtown. Boomtown. They just they have just become insufferable. They're in their own little bubble, which is expanded on in uh, Kevin Scott's Titan Run, yes. the ninth com- the ninth Doctor comics, which is set between those two stories. But it, it, it I, just... and the book, the monsters inside as well, because they oh no, no hang on, that's that's set pre Jack, but yeah. they reference that in Boomtown. They reference one of the BBC yes. books in Boomtown just to see her, and uh, and and talk about woman wept and all these things. It's like oh my god! So those books that we can get for a relatively decent price of like five ninety nine. Each we could read those some as the them, series is some going of them on. Were not bad. I didn't read all of them, but I read a, I read a, I read four or five. Pretty decent. I, I enjoyed them a lot. Great. That was one. I was I enjoyed, after that first wave. That was one I didn't like. I enjoyed the Tenth Doctor ones set during the specials year. They're really good. Oh, okay. uh, Autonomy is a pretty good one. Um, so yeah, uh, Boomtown's great. Annette Bamar's wonderful. And again, it sets up one last thing for the end of the series: the idea that you can get through to the heart of the TARDIS. Yes. Like, the TARDIS retaliates being attacked and, and basically, like, we assume shows um, Margaret slash Blom all the time. Yeah. And everything, and just kind of regresses her. And it's like, oh my God, that's pretty terrifying. It's got it's like, senti- so, yeah. so the TARDIS is sentient in some way, which is hinted at a lot in the original run, and has a... You know, has a sort of defense mechanism. It's a, it's, it's got a power source which is basically magical. Yeah, because it's a kids' show, guys. Get over it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the last setup before we head into the two-parter. Bad Wolf, part of the ways. To this day, probably still my favorite finale of the show, because the stakes are legit terrifying. Five episodes prior, we were introduced to one Dalek and saw what it could do. Now we're surrounded by tens. Of All of them. Of them. Um, including a big old Dalek Emperor who's oh gone God, yeah. proper around the place. He's twist. gone absolutely mental, has learnt religion, has claimed it as the god of all Daleks, and is creating Daleks from um, bits of the humans in the game station. The yeah. Satellite 5, like, I think it's like, is it 100 years later? The idea is uh, that the stuff that, that the Doctor did that shook, shook the foundations of it in long game led to other people coming in and taking control, and it turns out that it's the Daleks leading humanity into sort yeah. of like a semi-docile state of just watching shit TV. Having this satellite that sort of just trans- transmits deadly versions of uh, <laughs> what not to wear to game shows and stuff. Big Brother. Like, so it's, you know, it's, weakest it's, link. It's, it's aged in that sense with, yeah. that, with those references, but, it, 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 but going out, it was great. If a kid watched them now... Not really having any knowledge of those shows. If a kid watched it now, would they just assume they were futuristic game shows? Yeah, probably. Is there enough of a disconnect now that they've come back around? Because what that's what made it work so well on transmission was that it was actually referencing current events yeah. and current trends, which was what which and it just helped ground the show in pop culture in a way that it hadn't been for so long because you know it had been off the air, and even when it was on the air, it got in the odd guest star here and there bit of stunt casting, but it never got too deep into leveraging what else was going on in the world at the time, outside of, you know, broad political allegory here and there. Also, first appearance of Patson Joseph. Yeah. Who, to this day, always comes up when people go, so who should play the next Doctor? Love Patson um, Joseph. He's great. And uh, it's just a great story. Great cliffhangers, great stakes. <clears throat> the Dalek reveal at end of episode, end of episode one is fantastic. 
Um, the cliffhanger's great. Rose, the entire speech in the cafe when the TARDIS sends her back, like the Doctor tricks her into being sent back yeah. home. And the, you know, uh, someone emailed it, uh, emailed us about it not not too long ago. The the, the, the actual hologram moment is heartbreaking. It's wonderful. It's actually, isn't it? you know, Eccleston getting to bring his chops. Bring out and, them um, chops. Them, them northern chops. And really, <laughs> uh, by the way, if you hear a low rumble on uh, on listening to this, it's just my cat kneading the blanket that it, we're sat on. <laughs> he's, God, uh, he's going for it. He's, yeah, he's making bread. Um, what did What did you think of Parting of the Ways? That's what I, we thought of it. I, I think yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's definitely it's thumbs up if you had thumbs. Um, um, so so yeah, um, <laughs> love it. I love the entire thing in the in the cafe about like it's hundreds of million years away and she's like no it's now it's yeah. happening now and just all that stuff the fact that she fight, she basically like vandalises the TARDIS to get back to him yeah and obviously the TARDIS realises yep and Bad Wolf scattered throughout time it was a warning it, it was them trying to it was sort of breadcrumbs trying to lead them to this point and yeah. what she needs to do and she, she put them there she is the big bad wolf um which again, which comes upon the trend of Rusty hinting at what's coming throughout the season. <clears throat> yeah. Which uh, Moffat tries to emulate and then gives a punch. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't quite have the same. <laughs> but uh, Rusty did it very well, uh, I thought. Subtle story arcs. Yes. They're not even really story um, arcs, they're just a lovely thing for a weekly viewers to keep track of and go, oh, uh, oh, that. Uh, love it. Start of the smooch as well. The smooch became a tradition. Yeah, love a smooch. Kind of works here. A lot of people didn't at the time. Yeah. A lot of people still don't. But I'm down with it. I think it works here. I think it's wonderful. It's 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 it doesn't with these two versions of the character with this version of the Doctor and Rose, it doesn't feel like a sexual thing. It's, it's romantic in a way, but I think it's more of a smooch of liberation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's a thank you, which they set up. Like he's doing it to save a life. They have to physically make contact I assume but like oh yeah sure it, it's oh, sure. But, oh no like yeah. it only happens because it's they can't just hold hands it only happens because written that way but like yeah. they, but they sort of tonally that is set up nicely earlier in the episode when Jack thanks them both and ultimately is assuming he's gonna die so he says goodbye to them mm. he just gives a massive kiss like there's nothing sexual about it well there's a little it's Jack there's something a little bit sexual about it not the way they play it though. Like it's, it's no, it's played, played completely... it's played purely from an emotional point of view. But so it's, so it's I sweet. so I kind of buy that with I kind of buy that that was set as a seed for this moment toward the end. Yeah. The next Doctor, however, it's absolutely from a platonic, yeah, sexual, um, so consensual snog me handsome boy kind of thing. We get David Tennant going straight into uh, Christmas Invasion. <clears throat> yeah, buy Eccles cake. Um, Hello, Tenoyent. Um, and Start just, with another tradition, the Christmas special. Yeah, which I still think this is the best one because it's simple. Um, it's present day set, so the Christmas thing is just yeah, it's happening at Christmas. It's Christmas well, yeah. two thousand six. In that, so story. many of them have been so bad, <laughs> particularly during great. the Moffat era. That I'm, I'm, I find it hard pressed to disagree with you there. But it, it's simple. There's evil Santas. There's evil um, Santas with the uh, explode with rocket launching. Uh, Brass band instruments. Yeah, there's the Sycorax. Uh, Killer Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, Sycorax rock. Sycorax um, rock. There's, there's, <laughs> there's blood magic. 
What's it called? Um, blood control. Blood control. Blood control. Of course. A big red threatening button which will never ever, ever be pressed. Look at these people. The day they arrive on the planet, <laughs> blinking. Oh no! Step into the. No. Oh wait, no. That's a lion king. So yeah, immediately, <laughs> uh, even though he spends half the episode comatose, as soon as he wakes up, David Tennant putting his stamp on the character. Yes. This sort of manic, manic post regeneration, which is something that was kind of fun in the in the classic era and this really indulges in it by taking him like you say out of action for the majority of the story rose has to deal with it herself with a little help from harriet jones former mp for flydale north now prime minister yeah we know who you are uh second mention of torchwood as well yeah torchwood's mentioned in the weakest link and then it's mentioned here torchwood are gonna torchwood are the ones presumably torchwood one who do the missiles yeah that's the correct ship Sword fight, this hand, it's a fighting hand. Um, um, the Arthur Dent reference. Yeah, uh, Satsuma. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this, it works. It really works. And again, it, it relies on the strength uh, of, of Camille Kajori, Noel Clark, and Billy Piper to say to the kids watching, hey, hey, we know he's changed and he's not well, but things are going to be okay. Yeah. And at the end, they absolutely are. Starts the tradition as well of the Christmas specials having snow that isn't snow. <laughs> Just the, the ash of the Sycorax ship falling oh, out of the atmosphere. Yay. Um, Thank you. Bloody great. I love the Sycorax. I love the design. I love the fact that they call back to it in Shakespeare code. Yeah. It's so good. Um, new Earth! Or new, 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 new Earth. Um, <laughs> oh, I missed out a couple. Uh, the first sequel episode. Yes. Sort of. I guess Bad Wolf Party of the Way is a sort of a sequel to Dalek, but like, yeah, this is Cassandra, uh, a new Earth, the year five billion and one. New, 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 new York, um, and it's just it's a comedy caper. It's it's probably one of the weakest series openers, um, but I yeah, kind of, but I kind of I, don't I know kind about of that. consider the box set order. To be the right order, so Christmas Invasion's sort of the series opener, really. This this yeah. one more of a hey, here's the new guys, aren't they fun? Let's have a good time. Yeah, um, I can see that. I can see the argument for that. Bit of, bit of humanity for Cassandra, bit of backstory. Yes. So we want to make it gets to appear on camera. Yes. David and Billy get to show off their comedy chops as they uh, as they uh, play. Uh, Zoe Wanamaker's character yeah. like himself establishes the differences in their relationships yeah we get the snog for this season oh and cat nuns and cat nuns who doesn't like cat the nuns the sisters of plenitude god he's good with names <laughs> isn't he? Um, zombies that are cured in a ridiculous way but it's a kid's show so cured by magic it. hugs magic hugs and, and a cocktail of medicine um, followed up by one of the best historicals of this run Tooth and Claw. Tooth, I love Tooth and Claw. Tooth and Claw is so Absolutely good. Absolutely love it. Queen Victoria. Um, the, yeah, the running gag of trying to get her to say a famous catchphrase. The, the running gag of, of, of a companion attempting a voice or slang in the documentary. Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> David Tennant getting to show off his natural Scottish accent. Yeah, which impressed so many people because they didn't like, realise oh, that's so his voice, guys. No, he's that's Scottish. his actual voice. Um, um, the Dungaree outfit, which is adorable. And my favourite look for Rose, and I was so annoyed we never got an action figure of that. Oh, and don't and don't forget, fucking werewolf in this. Yes. It's a werewolf story, a werewolf by the way. Has aged a little by today's standards, but that looked fucking excellent. I think, that, I think that is the first like fully CGI big baddie that we'd had it's up a, to that point. Like things got like the Jagger Fest or, or Cassandra, where it's partial CGI and stuff like that. But 
this is a full-on CGI werewolf. This is a, this is a slightly... and the TARDIS odes, the TARDIS odes showing that, that that guy getting infected on the moors and all this stuff. This is and the the the, the monks, the kung fu monks, the yes. Scottish kung fu monks. It's so silly. It's not a it's not a what? it's not a werewolf. It's a lupine wavelength haemovera form. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. It's fucking werewolf. Because Russell loves his words. He loves it. He um, loves long words. Mistletoe and, and diamonds and and, <sighs> and oh god, it's it's Albert. Like Albert's passing and forming the story, but also the idea that at the end of it, Queen Victoria's like, right, yeah, you helped save the day, but you are dangerous, and I'm not having any of your bullshit. You're banished from Earth, as far as she's concerned, and yeah. we're going to set up an institute to monitor stuff like this and stop you from coming back. Obviously, they didn't do a good job for many years. But yeah, the Torchwood Institute is set up. Well, it begs the question, doesn't it? What? Was Torchwood always there in his past adventures, or is it put there retroactively after it? Well, but you know, the show's about time travel, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, with the Von Hartman at the end of the series, we find out that yes, they've been monitoring him ever since, but they've never like pinned him down. Yeah, but have they though? <clears throat> yes. No, no, but have they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think you get what I'm saying, Chris. Have they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> School reunion. <laughs> The shows, the shows. Aside from obviously lip service of Daleks and Autons, like and the Cyberman head in Dalek and things like that, um, this is the show's first straight up harkening back to its classic era. Oh yeah, this is uh, nostalgia at its most, but with a story most barefaced, but really. with a story purpose in the present. Well... Like the story is, hey Rose, you think this is amazing? Like you stuck with him two different faces you've stuck with him he's kept you around but what happens if this doesn't go on forever like what happens if one day he leaves you behind for some reason and or, he will or doesn't allow you to come back because he's a bummer because here's someone else who also spent time with two different versions of the doctor and thought it would go on forever and never did and never yeah. since has been looking for him um sarah jane smith reprising the role of course elizabeth sladen and john leeson reprising the role of K9. Just confirming once again that no the five doctors did not deceive you K9 uh, and company uh, is canon it is canon um, um, Mickey Smith again Anthony Stewart head as an absolutely delicious villain just um, chewing that scenery head and this the, wasn't that long head after of the Buffy finished right uh, yeah to, uh, 2006 so Buffy had finished three years prior yeah yeah, so he, so he hadn't been very Mer- Mer- Merlin, much in the public eye. Since Merlin then. was about to start, I think. So oh, okay, yeah. Seven was a Merlin Raptor. Okay, so um, yeah, like he he it was it was a good get. And I remember when it was announced that he was going to be in it. Everyone sort of was like, "Oh, is he the master?" And I remember hearing that and going, "I kind of hope so." Oh, especially because he was in in <laughs> in pre-release, um, like. <laughs> Uh, information he was carried as headmaster. Yeah. So everyone went, ah, he's the Anthony Headmaster. Ah. It's like, no, he was the headmaster of a school. He is kind of the first, like, formidable new foe as well. Yeah, like, that, is that scene in the swimming pool where they're sort of feeling each other out? <laughs> By the swimming pool. Threats. Them feeling each other out in the swimming pool is a completely different script. Yeah, that's in my erotic fan fiction. Ah, uh, headcanon. Uh, <laughs> oh, Don't headcanon shame. Don't do it, Polish guys. headcanon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible if Giles were here he'd be cleaning he'd his glasses he'd be my headmaster oh <laughs> he'd be oh. cleaning it, he'd be cleaning his glasses and, and Wesley would be rubbing his knees running to watch oh good lord because he's a big pervert he is he is uh, we were, uh, well we were watched that uh, some of that some of season three while we were painting the room and stuff and I'd completely forgotten how much 
of Wesley's early episodes was spent lusting after Cornelia. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is, if I remember correctly, in Angel Series 1 is just kind of acknowledged with like a, yeah. hi, hi. Hi. Awkward nod. Let's move on. <laughs> and, well, also the, uh, that episode <laughs> where Buffy can read everyone's mind. Yeah. Oh, it's God. Just yeah. Him. Jesus. Wesley, yeah. Wesley's pure caricature in that first... That but first series, but we're not here to talk about Alexis Denisov. We're here to talk yes, about we are. Let, this is the Alexis Denisov episode, guys. Spoiler alert: We've changed the um, Alexis Denisov Power Hour. Um, challenge Earth is to court death. Uh, so, um, uh, true story. Uh, it's great. I love School Reunion so much. The idea of like two compare because I think this was the first time, aside from like the five Doctors and the two Doctors, yeah, where like companions from the previous era met well it, again because we've got this more um character driven feel to the show it's the first story where the companions have actually faced the implications of what happens after they leave the doctor what they've got the doctor moving on after them yeah uh for, for, um, from both perspectives from the perspective of, of a past companion and a, and a present companion uh so it was kind of it feel a lot of the this Russell T Davis era feels like stuff the fans of the show have been thinking about for years that had kind of been explored in the new adventures actually getting put on TV. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think there is very much a through line you can draw from the ending of the of the of the original series through the new adventures of BBC books, which. You know, veered wildly from being too try hard, be mature to actual, you know, mature fiction. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget, Russell T. Davis did write a new adventure. Um, and then just going and sort of settling on a tone that that then gets in that gets into a groove in the TV show when yeah. it returns. And I think there's definitely a, a lineage there. Of, of the, because a lot of the people who would lend later to come on to resurrect the show were fans of it. And they had, had these ideas and thoughts and, oh, what if this and what if this? So they could actually develop them. For example, what if the Doctor legit fell in love, which is explored in the next episode, The Girl, Girl in the Fireplace by Stephen Moffat? Again, another excellent script, but sort of that idea of, oh yeah, that's something people always go, no, 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 never do that. Oh, the kiss no. in the TV movie, you know, bullshit, bullshit, nonsense. It's like, yeah, in this, he legit falls in love. Legit falls in love with fucking Madame de Bombadour. Yeah. Because um, why not? Uh, which in real life led to them being in a relationship as well for yes. a couple of years. Sophia so, Miles you know, and uh, David Tennant were an item for a while. Like, what indeed he do? And, and it, it worked, like, I know it sounds weird, but like that chemistry works very well within the context of this story I being see, told because you does when you get people like coupling up on set and stuff you totally buy it when you watch it you're like yeah. my god these two are adorable like you, you buy it and, and at the same time you also feel kind of bad because you're like wait hang on and again juxtaposed hang on, him, him and aren't him and rose kind of a bit of a thing yeah kinda? and you feel bad but like and they only play on that a little in the episode but rose kind of deals handles it more from the thing of seeing that he's hurt and yeah. After all, and and know. in a way, it's sort of showing her become less selfish. Yeah, yeah. She again becomes more of a of a of a theme as the sh- as the show goes on. More Mickey too. Mickey becomes a full on companion in this story, yeah. traveling with them, and of course gets thrown into an adventure with a, a ship trying to repair itself with human body parts. Yes, banana creepy, daiquiris, creepy clockwork robots, which are a wonderful design. Oh, so good. Um, they are so good. Like you know, those twelve in- the twelve inch dolls that came out in like two thousand seven. Yeah, man, I took about I, seventeen of them. I had a Cyberman. <laughs> 
Like he's got about seventeen of everything. I had I had a Cyberman and um I'm sure I had another one. I can't remember which though. There was a Cyberman, there was a Tenth Doctor, there was a Clockwork Robot, there was a Jadoon. Oh, I wanted um, the Jadoon, but I never managed to get hold of it because I just thought it looked cool. But uh yeah, so I had a Cyberman, I've sold my Cyberman since. Uh try saying that sober. Um Never. Uh and then I what do you call it? Uh, but I've, I've still got the clockwork droid because it's so well made. It's, it's really And when you peel thing. the head off, the clockwork head underneath is so good. Um, and it's the same scale as the big chief one, so that's why I've kept it. Ah, so, yes, yeah. of course. Yes, um, of course. And much better looking than the 10th Doctor and Martha figures that they did. Oh. Actually, no, the Martha sculpt was actually quite good. The 10th Doctor one, though, was abysmal. Yeah, the problem with the Martha sculpt is it's Martha. Hey, I will defend her next week. Yeah. So uh, we, you know, clockwork droids, Aria Sin, um... And again, like just that that idea of, of uh, self-contained story, the wonderful fairy tale imagery that Moffat revels in later. The idea mm. of this this man emerges from the fireplace to stop the the horrible monster living under the bed and all this stuff. Like it's 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 glorious and it's really well shot and it's so much fun. And it's got a lovely bit of sweet ending <clears throat> and it leads us into the first two part of this series, Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. Another comeback for the. Uh... Hey, you're stroking him, Mr. Cat. Another comeback for the um, <laughs> classic, for a classic monster. monster. Uh, which, again, sort of becomes a tradition at first the, uh, the, with these series, where each series has a two-parter that reintroduces a classic foe. Yeah. Um, and the Cybermen get their turn this year. I don't love this two-parter too much. The stuff I really like in it. I like fine. the idea of Rose seeing an alternate version of her mum and dad and what their lives are like and, you know, like, <laughs> hating the fact that they don't have a kid but they've got a dog and they call it Rose. But also, um, you know, the idea of like, oh, is this a life I wish I had? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mickey getting the second chance with his grandmother to save her life, basically, or, or possibly do it. Ricky, that universe's version of him, who's an arsehole, uh, but also a, an activist and a saboteur to get rid of the like, evil companies and find out what's going Cybers on. Cybers Industries. Cybers Industries. The reason I don't like it is because it is it's genesis of the daleks it's yeah. too close well they, for, for me to genesis of the daleks correct me if i'm wrong but own. they give mark platt a based on credit for spare parts uh yeah, i think so but spare parts it's very it's it's absolutely tangentially related to spare parts in terms of plot yeah. but yeah but i think like it, to moffat's credit i think he does the idea of the cybermen's kind of background better with with his take on the main universe ones in in uh uh, Doctor Falls and and um, whatever part one that one was, like I think that one is a better version of the idea. That's the one, like the idea of seeing the Mondasian society in that yeah. for me is a lot more effective. Well, that was that than, was... Uh, than this version where it's just like Roger Lloyd Pack is non-scarred Davros, yeah, but business is a bigger angle instead of war, and that's the only kind of real difference to the to the core of it. But I was just it, thinking, like, I don't it's, think it's, it's, it's about it's about finance and and his personal fears for his own health. I don't think that they actually got the the to the core of what was menacing about the Cybermen, Cybermen originally until World Enough in Time, Doctor Falls. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. I love the design of the Cyber Cybermen. I think the design's great. These sort of pre-Iron Man, Iron Man-esque like, Yeah, those sort of lumbering of armor, armor things, yeah. That dun, 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 But again... Dun, 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 usually accompanied with the... Getting away... Like, it really reinforces the idea that they are metal men. And, and even going as so far as to show that there isn't necessarily 
at least in this initial version of them, there isn't necessarily a human body in there. Well, that, there are nervous systems and nerve endings. That and is parts of the brain takes away from it a bit for me. The fact that it is they basically just take a brain out and put it in a shell yeah. rather than it's this slow upgrading bit by well, bit. I, I always bought that as just for this story though, because because later on they. They show things being a bit more elaborate, like for all of its faults, Cyberwoman and Torchwood sort of shows mm. shows that there is machinery developed that just converts around the human body. Um, Army of Ghosts later this series implies that a little as well with the factory element. Yeah, Pandorica opens shows that oh no, there's a, there's a skull inside that. Yeah, thing. yeah. so like the, the, as time goes by, it becomes more about just putting the body into something. Um, but I think for this one, it works quite well, especially when they open it up and stuff. And it's just like oh my god. This is just nerve endings and tissue. Yeah, like it's 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 horrifying for that moment. But this, these Cybermen definitely get used more interestingly in the Moffat era. Yes, um, but I love the design. I just this story doesn't blow me away so much. Uh, Idiot's Lantern. This is good fun. I love this one. I know it gets overlooked a bit or taken the piss out of, but you know you go my way, doll. The, is there then, any other way to go, Daddyo? Uh... <laughs> The Doctor and Rose having fun getting interrupted by an invasion of a, no, radio wave based <clears throat> alien which takes people's faces. I mean, what's not to like? There's some great stuff in it. What's it's, not to like? It's eerie and weird and goofy, and it, it's got that absolutely glorious bit where they're pretending to be, um, what's it, flag inspectors and <laughs> stuff ahead of the Queen's coronation and, uh, and rubber soles, swear by them and all that stuff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant and Billy Piper's like look for this like Tennant's in the same costume as always but it's the hair yeah and Billy Piper is like dressed for the period and looks absolutely brilliant just the, the big old dress like they're just having so much fun the little the little mo- the little scooter yeah little moped and, and, and oh I, I enjoy this one a lot it's, it's I just, enjoy it a lot well it's, th- it's this point in the series that you get the good fun oh this is them at the at the sort of <clears throat> having joyous times which a lot of people find sickly gonna, but I, I think totally yeah we're gonna we're gonna see that yeah they do it for a reason we, we're gonna see that be ripped away from them in the last story which so. starts getting hinted out in the next story yes which is Impossible Planet Impossible Planet slash the Satan Pit one of my favourites of rare, the entire quite, new run that's quite a rare layout as well isn't it two part with a one part with a single part are in betwixt they don't really do that after this I don't think but they do here series so it's because it's Girl mean? in the Fireplace was earlier the, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, of course. We had four episodes, um, then a two-parter. One episode, then a two-parter. But Possible Planet Satan Pit, holy shit! AKA great stuff. Doctor Who does aliens the first time. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> great because they do it again later as flesh and stuff. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, great creature design with the Ud. It's like creepy uh, occult sort of foreshadowing and semi Lovecraftian kind yeah. of look to them. Uh, the Beast and his armies shall rise from the pit to wage war with God. Sorry, it's like great. I apologize. Like <laughs> old to the you know. Sort I was of... asking, would you like sauce with that? <laughs> oh my god, this is horrifying. Yeah, the atmosphere, the 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 the, the all the stuff with the air ducts. Um, old to the classic base under siege stories. Base Toby Zed, simple stuff. Red eyes, the glyphs appearing on his skin. The score. Maury Gold goes yeah. like all all Lord of the Rings on this on this piece. There's Don't way more like turn about to me. If you look at me, I can touch you. Die! Uh, Gabriel Wolf. Yeah. As the voice of the beast. Yeah. A. <laughs> uh, right, so I, I, I'm probably misremembering this, but I'm sure I read up on it because I was curious. And someone proved me wrong in the comments if I got this wrong. But I'm sure they didn't hire him 
because he'd been the voice of Sutek. No. They hired him, and then at some point after the casting, someone went, you do realise he's been in this before as the voice of basically Space Devil. Yeah. Like the Egyptian god of death from space. And then it added this beautiful extra thing of, oh, maybe they're all kind of the same thing. And this is all a bra- <laughs> this is a, these are all branching yeah. entities that come from the same yeah, idea. Something that comes up, yeah. And it's like, that's amazing. So it's like, again, it's sort of a subtle classic series villain return in a way. That came up in the fan base quite a lot at the time. On Outpost Gallifrey. Yes. Um, um, but it, it's a great touch. Scary... Dude, freaky. They create a crew that you really get to like. And then kill most of them off. <clears throat> yeah, you have the whole eerie scene with uh, Ida and the Doctor over the lip of the thing, and he's like, that whole bit he talked about where it's like the urge where you just see something like that and you just want to jump. The urge to see what they're at, like he's on the edge. Yeah. And that whole speech about, like, you know, just, what does it mean? Like, I, could, I might die. I might not. Like, it's about finding out what there is, it's about taking yeah. that plunge, and it all that stuff is so good. The iconic orange spacesuit, so iconic that they repainted it and then reused oh. it a million times because it was cheaper to do so. Yeah. Um, but it looks good. It makes for a great action figure. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I love that two part so much. And it, it's it's like you say, the seeds are sown. The uh, the was it the lost child who was going to die in battle so very very soon. Yeah. And the idea of the Doctor and Rose talking about maybe actually settling down and talk about getting a house. Well, yeah, because um, there is the they lose the TARDIS. Yeah, so. they think they're going to be stuck. And, and you can um, see, you can see his, his world is is completely destroyed by that notion, but you can see him coming round to the idea of doing it with her, yeah, and and being happy, and also settling now. Hey, <laughs> let's tear that away. Um, what is the immediate next one? The immediate next one is an episode I can't remember. Hang on, so uh, we're doing this from memory because we're gubbins like that. New Earth. Well, we shot no sooner, isn't it? Too close. School um, reunion. Uh, go to the fireplace. Here's this lantern. This is it. So we've got four episodes left. Uh, so this is Love and Monsters. Oh, fuck off. Love and Monsters. Right. I hate Love and Monsters. I know you do. And you're wrong. Um, no, you're not. Opinions are not wrong, folks. Opinions can't be wrong. But they can be... Unless you like Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters is great, and I shall tell you for why. Tell me for why. It's bold. It's bold that they even went there. Or is it just irritating? It's bold. It's bold that they went there, son. It is. Um, And I think it's better than the next episode. Uh, Love and Monsters, the first Doctor Light story of the new series, a semi-tradition for the next few years. Where uh, to free everybody up a little bit. um, Pants, though, isn't it? The main cast members are not in the episode a lot. Um, in this case because it follows Elton played by Mark Warren who's bloody lovely and a group of people who call themselves Linda because they're investigating the Doctor they've all had encounters in some way oh it's so bloody quaint and quirky I fucking hate it you've become cynical yeah I know (laughs) it's happened it's finally happened but it's the first episode where a Blue Peter uh, competition was involved yes Uh, a kid designed the Absorbal Off played by Peter Kay and uh, we let them. It's really, it, I think the, I think his performance just split people down the middle a lot. I think he's a great actor. He's a great comic actor, but I can see why it takes people out of it a little. But I don't mind. I really don't mind. I think he's better as Victor Kennedy Victor Kennedy than he is as the Absorbaloth. Um, yeah, I'd give but you that. I'm up for it. Um, so I've heard. 
Fliss, uh, Fliss and Ursula and that really horrendous suggestion at the end of the last episode is that they have a love life. Um, uh, but ahead of its time. This was 2006 and the main character is vlogging. Yeah. Like, he's, we don't see it, I mean, we don't see him posting it online or anything. Like, he's clearly just making it for yeah. posterity. It's a video diary. But 2006, YouTube had only been around, like, a year. It had been around if a few that, months yeah. at the time of this being written. That's pretty ahead of its time. That's pretty damn cool. Uh, There's some great ideas in it. There's some great stuff that the Scooby-Doo sequence toward the, beginning, toward the middle is quite funny. Yeah, that is quite good. Chasing the thing with the, the meat in buckets and stuff. Oh, no, with the steak and the buckets with the stuff. And the hoiks, an alien design so cool and expensive that they recycle it a couple of times and then butcher it, repaint it, and use it as other creatures entirely in, um, what do you call it? Because uh, why wouldn't you? In uh, the Rings of Akatem. Uh. Um... <laughs> so you know it, it's i i i like love of monsters a lot i i get why people don't and i for a long time was like no oh, it's a bit stupid but the more i look back at it the more i'm like i miss stories like this it has it has stuff like the jackie scene where she confronts elton yeah on the, fact the idea that, that he's getting close <laughs> to her to sort of get close to the doctor and stuff with the idea of it yeah, I and that she talks about the ones left behind. Like no one ever thinks about the ones who've been left behind, and it's like, oh my god, Camille Kajuri gets to like show off her comedy and tragedy chops in this episode and nails it. Um, speaking of tragedy, the next story is Fear Her. It's all right. No, it's not. It's okay. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Fear Her has got some. It does not deliver on its promise. No, it's got some excellent all. ideas in it. It really has some excellent ideas. I mean, I could say the same thing about Love and Monsters. It's still tripe. The, di- the difference for me is, I think, Fear Her kind of lives and dies on two things. The execution of the um, eeriness of the illust- illustrations and their role in the story. Yeah. And for some parts it works. The Scribble Monster is a charmingly daft-like idea. Yeah. And the picture's moving and the idea... <clears throat> She draws the Doctor and the TARDIS disappears. Rose turns around and the TARDIS and the Doctor is gone. Like, that stuff's really eerie and creepy. But then just, like, the way they depict the, the menace of the father, which yeah. is a very dark and interesting story, just doesn't work. They just don't go far enough with it. Yeah, it's, it's, the it's, problem. It's, it's, it's too subtle. But the other thing it lives and dies on is the performance of your child actor who is at the centre of the story. And I'm sorry, I do not think the Chloe Webb performance is good enough. It's, it's comedic by accident. You know yeah. what I mean? Because she's so stuck in that, like, you know, I love Chloe Webb. And all that stuff. It's like, they should have let her emote and be herself a bit more before they did that stuff with yeah. the soulless. Yeah. Because um, I, I just, I, I bought her mum's fear and worry. I didn't buy the kid's peril. It's no. ridiculous. But, whatever. Well, we got the doctor running with the Olympic torch. Which has aged and dated it really, really badly. badly. But, yeah, do you know why it dated it, though, really significantly? Because everyone said in the run-up to 2012, for at least a bit of the torch lighting, a bit a bit of the marathon, can we get David to do it in costume? Because at least then it's kind of a funny joke. You, you're doing the Brit- celebration of British culture as part of the different people running with it. You go, oh, there's Doctor Who. That's funny. And also then it's like, oh, it's funny because he did it in the thing. He wanted to do it for like a street. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they didn't. Um... And it's like, uh, that would have made, I think I would have put the episode up a little higher because it would have been like, oh, it's that one that caused the real life thing. Uh, what is next? Now oh, we're parts. getting into Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Yes. Uh, this is a dream come true. 
because the Cybermen and the Daleks have been in images together quite a lot. This was awesome. But they'd never been on screen together like this, and they'd never had a fight on screen. This was this was pure fan service. Yeah. Again, like I was saying about Rus- a lot of Russell Azera being oh things that fans have been thinking about the implications of for the through the wilderness years mm. and exploring it in their adventures and uh, BBC books and all that sort of stuff. So we actually getting to do a lot of that stuff and explore it and. Of course, one of those things is, who would win the Daleks or the Cybermen? <laughs> you would destroy the Cybermen with four Daleks. We would destroy the Cybermen with one Dalek. Is that you fucking... are superior in only one respect. What is that? You are better at dying. It's just, it's just such... like, oh! Oh, bitchy Daleks, fantastic. Handbags at dawn. Oh. The Dalek, if I remember correctly, the, the Radio Times and a couple of other things spoiled that the Daleks would be coming back in some way. Yeah, I think so. But I managed to avoid a lot of it. It was 2006, guys. The internet wasn't readily available in everyone's palm at all times. So as a result, I knew that there was something Dalek-y happening, but I didn't know if it was in the show. But I thought maybe it was just like a photo shoot or whatever. Yeah. So when they emerged out of the, uh, the out of the void sphere at the end of part one, yeah. I was like, oh, oh my god, we're getting both of them, we're getting both of them in the same story. Um, magical stuff. The end of Rose's story, as far as we knew. Yes. Played and... beautifully. This is the day I died. Because as far as Earth's records are concerned, our existence, she's not there anymore. She's gone. Yeah. Um. Jackie gets sort of a chance at a be- uh, sort of uh, uh, the life she missed and that she was longing for. Um, that dimension's Pete gets the chance to, to be a family again. Uh, we see Mickey. We find out that he's joined um, what's it, Andrew Hayden Smith's Jake uh, in fighting Cybermen. Yeah, joined the destroying, resistance. Destroying, so lo- destroying what's left of Lumix's legacy and learning that the Cybermen have been trying to breach dimensions to escape their, essentially escape their execution in that one. Like they've, yeah. they've ruined a lot of the world, but they've been kept at bay, so now they're trying to escape elsewhere. Um, the idea of people befriending ghosts. This is one of those stories as well where like we come back after a period of time has passed yeah. to find that Earth is doing stuff that the Doctor and Rose are like, wait, what's this all about? Yeah. Which, which comes back a lot later on as well, especially next series. It's a big thing next series, yeah. And that is so cool. Um, I I think Army of Ghosts and Doomsday is a damn fine finale. Again, it, it was, you know, the, it was Russell defining his era as with event television. Yeah. Like creating event television. Tracy Ann Oberman. Like, yeah, great as, guest as, star. As Yvonne, Hall, as, uh, as Yvonne Hartman. Oh, uh, yeah, she's good. It's um, Jackie as the companion, like... So the disguise, yep. pretending she's Rose and all this yep. stuff. It's quite funny. It's, um... <laughs> these first two seasons of Doctor Who are incredibly strong. And I guess they had to be because it was such a big thing that they were bringing the show back. And if it had failed, if it had been comic... Yeah. People would have laughed it off the screen. But it was just comic enough yeah. for people to fall in love with it again. And, and, and people to fall in love with it from scratch do they keep it up though find well, out next week yes. Big Damn Cast on Twitter Big Damn Stream on Twitch.tv you can also support the show for as little as one dollar a month on Patreon.com slash Big Damn Cast yes. get a bunch of perks including photos of my nipples nope no photos 
of anyone's nipples. Okay, check check the Patreon page just to be sure. I'm sure some of the nipples want to be Nope, nope. Or they're just mm, I don't know. We're gonna go now. Back to get old. Back to get old. No, next to go.